You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Well, welcome everyone. This is Adam Coleman. And with me today, we have Madeline Marconi. She's a certified financial planner, certified financial consultant, and certified divorce financial analyst. She's the partner and head of financial planning at Breakwater Capital Group. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about her CDFA designation and then all things divorce financial planning. So Madeline, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. So happy to be here and talk to everyone about this topic. It's really important to me. So thanks, Adam. Well, we appreciate it. So before we begin, tell us a little bit more about yourself and maybe what made you decide to go into financial planning, but then specifically divorce financial planning as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So I grew up in the northwestern suburbs of Chicago, being raised by a single mom who I just saw work so incredibly hard and she never made me feel like she was gone working with two jobs and getting her associate's degree at night. And she just really drilled her work ethic into me. And knowing college was not an option, but there also wasn't any extra legroom in the budget to pay for it. And, you know, on another side note, I had always been enamored by the West Coast and the mountains. So a combination of those three things and between financial aid and scholarships, I got a 50% ride to the University of Denver, which is where I went to undergrad. And so, of course, the other 50% was covered by student loans, and that still left me with $120,000 of debt, which may have influenced my career choice, but we'll get to that in a second. And while I was at DU, I got to work on a project to help build potable water wells for a community in Cape Town, South Africa, that did not have access to clean water. And something to note is, you know, we're talking about 2014 and no clean drinking water. So it was just a really formative experience for me. And as a political science and international studies major, we had to fund the project ourselves And developing a financially feasible study was not part of the traditional curriculum. So I'm sure some people can empathize with me on on fundraising and, and having a political science and international studies degree. So we really had to raise the money to build the water well, set aside savings should anything go wrong, and of course, endow the project so it would be sustainable into the future once all the students had returned to their prospective homes. So I really thought, wow, knowing the ins and outs of this whole finance thing can get you access to basic human rights like clean water, something thankful I never had to worry about growing up, and the lessons have countless applications in everyday life. So Fast forward to graduation day, the honeymoon period is over, and I'm remembering that I'm $120,000 in the hole. I knew I needed to pay back those debts with real money, and my payments just worked out to be half of the amount of my rent. So there really wasn't much room left over to save, spend, or investing was certainly not something I was even thinking about. And it just so happened that Fidelity Investments, the big Boston-based firm, opened up a brand new office in the Denver tech area. And that's where I landed my, my first real job. I was attracted to the generous benefit structure and the ability to see so many different parts of the financial services industry because they do a lot. And I had spent 
a handful of years in Denver, another few handful of years in the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area, thanks to my husband who was from that area, working with some of the smartest, most diverse, most demanding at times, sometimes a little bit difficult type of clientele, but I wouldn't change that experience for anything. And after seven years of climbing that corporate ladder, I was ready to make a change. The experience was really great at Fidelity. I have no qualms and I had a lot of success and and learned so much in my time there. I was one of the youngest female advisors taking care of Fidelity's most valuable clients and it was a special experience, but there, there was something missing. I wanted to take care of clients the way I thought that they should be taken care of by building long-term relationships with them and their families through financial planning instead of more of a product focus and feeling limited by time constraints. And at my peak when I was there, I was responsible for working with 400 families And you have to think about that from a time perspective. How well can you really get to know these people and their personal circumstances if you're working with 400 families? So I decided to leave Fidelity and join a boutique investment firm in Boulder, Colorado. And my new employer offered me to have the chance to have deeper connections, but the firm had been founded for 20 years and many of the relationships were with the principals of the firm. So there wasn't that natural connection. So I stayed in touch with my old mentor slash advisor that I had worked with back in New Jersey, and he had left to start his own firm. And half jokingly, half seriously, we entertained reuniting for uh, his firm that he had started. And it had become really clear to both of us that the partnership would be a case of one plus one equals three kind of deal. So I know that we had shared many of the same beliefs about the client experience, the markets, and he knew what I was worth. I also felt like he was the best person I could learn from in this industry. So I joined Breakwater Capital Group as an equity partner. And fast forward to now, we're off to the races. We manage $420 million in assets for a little over 100 different families where I focus on helping clients establish better relationships with their money in a variety of different ways. And one of the areas I have a specialty in, as you alluded to before, is supporting clients going through a divorce. Everyone knows that going through a divorce is a pretty awful experience. And I witnessed more than my fair share of clients going through this process, totally uninformed or not knowing exactly how to pick up the pieces when the papers had finally been signed. So often I would find that they were focused on that particular moment, which is to be expected, what's a highly emotional period, but it's important not to lose sight of how the settlement is going to impact them five to 10 years from now and to ask questions like, how is this going to affect my earning capability? Do I have the skills and resources needed to maintain my lifestyle? What do I do to get there? It's really big picture stuff, but it's also the details. Something as obvious as what is the tax impact from this often really gets overlooked. And we all know that when it comes to taxes, equal does not mean equitable. The lawyers know the law so well and what's due to these clients from a legal perspective, but it's the ability to connect all those dots for the client so that they understand what their settlement will mean to them personally. I want the big house, but unless you have the means to maintain it, it really does no good for you. And I think people often forget, they might laugh at this, but it's easy to forget. 
you can't sell a window to put food on the table. And so that's really what's driven me to make sure that those clients are are in a good place. Where does your role fit in? So like CDFAs or certified divorce financial analysts, they have different roles that they take. So different people that have that same designation, some get involved very early on in the divorce process and mm-hmm. really strictly look at the divorce and separation of assets. Others more on the back end of things to help with the financial planning afterwards. Where does your CDFA fit into the mix? Yeah, great question. So the CDFA ideally would get involved right from the beginning. I have some clients that find me without even having a lawyer in mind first. And I certainly work closely with family law lawyers in the area. So I typically will recommend them if they've made the choice that this is the path that they want to go down. I have clients need a CDFA's help, but maybe their relationship is so that they are okay staying together. They're just going to sort of live two different lives because of tax benefits or whatever the case maybe is. Or I have clients that get referred to me from their lawyer and I'm meeting them sort of maybe in the middle, maybe the first settlement has been sort of put on the table as an offer. And then inevitably, I need to understand the client's why and sort of the story behind the numbers. So inevitably, we sort of go back to the drawing board from the beginning. And again, it's those dots that are hard to connect. This is what you're owed from a legal perspective, but what does it mean to you from a personal finance perspective? It's those dots that often are not point A to point B. What is the difference between a certified divorce financial analyst and then more of your typical financial advisor if somebody was thinking about getting somebody involved during the divorce process? So the CDFA designation, the CFP, the Certified Financial Planning Role, is really the gold standard in our industry. You know, we adhere to a code of ethics, a board, a disciplinary committee. The CDFA designation, Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, has these same commitments. So that would really, to me as a client, be the gold standard in terms of someone who is approaching me to give me financial advice through this time. It's an exam. There's a lot of math components to it. It's not based on feelings, it's based in facts and the realities of the law. And so that to me is the biggest difference. This is focused on a particular specialty, whereas the CFP is great to have. I encourage all clients who are working with a financial advisor to continue to look for that gold standard. But if you're looking for something specifically in the divorce arena, um, I I would look for that CDFA designation because that means that that person is committed and they have continuing education standards to that practice. And it's just like anything else. I mean, you're going through this process. You don't want a generalist to do something exactly. that you can get something that's specialized for, again, without additional right. cost necessarily. It's all kind of part of the divorce process. But right. having just a regular financial advisor doesn't always quite get you to the same level of a speciality as the CDFA side does, just like you're not going to go through a non-family law attorney. You're not going to go through somebody like that that just doesn't have a specialty. So you get involved early on, but you can also help with the wealth management side after the divorce is done. So you kind of do both sides of things. What sort of advice do you have for somebody starting down that divorce path? You mentioned a few things already, but any other Mm -hmm. sets of advice that you would give for somebody? Yeah. So I'm a checklist person. And it makes me feel like I'm able to get done what I needed to get done. And it makes me feel accomplished at the end of the day. 
but also keeps me from feeling overwhelmed and meaning, maintaining a sense of control. My husband would also probably tell you I'm a bit of a control freak. So I know that I would not be where I am today. Um, and on another note, without consistently seeking feedback, coaching, and finding mentors that you know really advocate for you when you aren't in the room. So asking for help, put simply, is absolutely critical. So my first piece of advice is just to start somewhere and take it one step at a time. Typically the first step in the divorce process, once you've decided that this is really the path that you want to go down, is putting together a sworn financial affidavit. And in Colorado in particular, you have 42 days to file that with the court once you petition for divorce. And that will give you and your soon-to-be ex an idea of what assets you have, what the income picture looks like. And it really makes you put pen to paper, finger to keyboard, whatever you're into to see exactly what your budget is. And a different way of thinking about that is what does it take to fund the lifestyle that you've been maintaining today? The second piece of advice is to surround yourself with just a rock star team. Get a great CDFA to run the financial side of the divorce. That helps you take the emotion out of it. We really look at it as a contract a financial contract at that, and a great lawyer who knows the law inside and out and won't allow you to be pushed around, and maybe even a therapist to address the invisible aspects of what can be a traumatic process. And those advocates will help you get to the next chapter of your life as quickly and as painless as possible, knowing that this is one of the most difficult times of your life or can be. And hopefully clients only go through this once. If you put together a great team, that team has been battle-hardened having going through this many times before with many different clients. Are there any other team members that you see come up on a regular basis or things that you wish you saw on a more regular basis beyond the typical financial side, attorney side, and then the mental, emotional side? That's a great question. The people that I see who come away from this process as unscathed as possible are people who have a great sense of community behind them. And what I mean by that is either a family that they can really count on and not to continuously dig through the mud on what's going on, but just someone or group of people that can really bring them a lot of joy or when everyone's sense of family is different. So for me living in Denver, we don't have a lot of family here. So our sense of family is the community of friends that we've built around us. So having that kind of support that has nothing to do with the divorce in particular, but everything to do with bringing up your spirits. So, and really, if you have a hobby that you can really lean into or get a lot of satisfaction from, It's being able to be present when you need to be when it comes to the divorce and being able to, in a very healthy way, take yourself out of it to sort of let go of some steam. Advice. Absolutely. So I guess we we mentioned a couple different types of divorce on this channel before. Obviously, you've got collaborative, you've got the litigation side, mediation. Mm -hmm. Do you get involved in all sorts of types? Do you have a preference one way or the other? What's your thoughts on each of those? You know, mediation, I do get involved in all sorts of different things. Obviously, some of my clients aren't even getting a divorce. It's sort of just like we're going to live our lives in two separate ways, but we have kids or whatever the case may be. So that's something in of itself. But mediation with a lawyer is probably my preferable preference. If 
knock on wood, my husband misbehaves for any reason. Personally, I would go down that route because you're really trying to be as calm as possible, but not get pushed around either because you have your lawyer there and hopefully you have your financial planner there as well to tell you, here's how this will impact you today, tomorrow, 20 years from now. And you're trying to be as amicable as possible too. So typically when I see clients go through mediation, that's the headspace they're in. And they really want to continue that way. It may get a little heated at times because sometimes you get an offer and you're just like, what the heck I've been through with this person for 20 years. It doesn't seem right. But typically we can get back to a place of, hey, remember why we came to this instead of going to court or something like that. Gotcha. Any memorable cases that you've had that had a big impact on you in the past? Yeah, I do. And the first case that I ever worked on came to me midway through the divorce process. They had already received their first settlement offer. And after I got up to speed, what stood out to me the most was the lack of questions that had been asked up to that point. Instead of feeling some good ground had been covered, I really felt like we needed to go back to the drawing board to essentially starting at go to figure out what my client's main priorities were and the why behind them. I find that that why is so important. I wanted to know the story behind the numbers. That's another thing that's really important to me. And you really just can't be afraid to speak up when you feel unsettled by something or that something was missing. And my client was a real estate agent. Her income was variable and her success was a combination of hard and some good luck, which I find the harder you work, the more luck you have. And the winds at Uh, had been at her back to some extent, considering the Denver real estate market's strength over the past 10 years. She had done so well, but what I wanted to know was how sustainable was that experience? And her ex had very stable income from his corporate job. So I knew looking at the numbers that their essential expenses were covered by his compensation and her income was the bonus but she never really thought about it that way. Neither of them did. And so sure, the first settlement offer seemed okay on the surface, but when thinking about the lifestyle and preparing for the unexpected, like the housing market softening or some unforeseen health issue, limiting her ability to work in the same way, her perspective resulted in a shift of the mindset. The settlement may be in fact a critical income source instead of a lump sum of money for a new home that she was thinking about buying. So we know that people don't make great decisions when emotion isn't involved or when they don't have all the facts. A really good CDFA's job, even though it's not always comfortable, is to point out those blind spots and put different scenarios on the table to make sure that their client is as insulated as possible. Fast forward to 2023, Some of the less desirable situations, unfortunately, were modeled in for my client, having played out as the real estate market has cooled and aging parents are now coming into the picture that may need some additional financial support. But certainly she feels much better prepared based on the process that we had went through together. What were the major changes that you actually made or negotiated for because of that variable pay structure? So kind of like what I said in the beginning, you have to look at your earnings capability and you really, it sounds so basic, but when you're used to living a certain way for 24 years, which was the case, it's not. It's, hey, of course my essential expenses are covered from guaranteed sources of income because my partner's income was guaranteed. He's an engineer. Of course he's going to get paid for his work. And I was able to spend whatever I wanted on, you know, going out to eat and vacations and this and that. 
but having them see, okay, these are your essential expenses. They need to be covered with guaranteed sources of income. If your income is not guaranteed, there's going to have to be shifts somewhere. And so just sort of walking back to the process of that initial financial planning conversation and applying the client scenario to that initial financial planning conversation is so critical because they have to be able to relate to it. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Any final thoughts before we leave today? Yeah. So two thoughts, and I have thoughts in the form of quotes. The first one is by Theodore Roosevelt, which is people don't care how much you know until they know that you care. And that is something that has always guided me in my financial planning practice. And the second one is by Sally Krawcheck, who is absolutely hands down one of my idols in the finance industry, which is, I love to talk, I love to share, I love to vent, but I prefer action. And so I encourage anyone who is listening to take action, big or small, to work towards the life they've certainly imagined and just know that your best days are always ahead. Perfect. Well, if anybody would like to learn more about you and services that you offer, both divorce or non-divorce, what's the best place to find you? So our website is breakwatercapitalgroup.com. So go check that out to see exactly what we do, how we serve our clients. We have a ton of content posting insights regularly on different topics, as well as we host monthly webinars, just name a few resources there. And personally, I can be reached directly at 720-817-8723, or you can email me at madeline.barconi at breakwatercapitalgroup.com. And I'll make sure to include all that in the description as well. Please reach out any kind of questions that you have. I definitely would highly recommend it. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time and giving us some expert advice on the divorce financial planning side. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.